All right, so uh, last week we touched a little bit on some, some difficult things. Last week's message could have been titled, Jesus Ain't Playing, all right? It could have, because a man runs up and says, hey, I got you. And Jesus said, until you got me all the way, you ain't got me at all. That's basically what he said. He said, did you, did you count the cost? I will as soon as I go say, you know, bury my dad. No, let the dad bury the dad. Hold up. No, you're either looking this way or you're looking backwards, but you can't plow looking back. I mean, Jesus wasn't easy, but he was true. He was real. He's that friend who is always right, even when it hurts. All right? But he was talking about uh, getting ready to, to send people to do his work. Okay? He was talking about us becoming shalios, us, us becoming ambassadors, okay? So this, this goes from disciple making, from learning and knowing and following God to then being sent, which we call missionary, but in the last 50 to 100 years, that has been all about taking a trip or all about somebody else that we're praying for on our refrigerator or something like that, okay? Instead of a collective understanding that we are ambassadors for Christ, representatives of His truth. Sent to this place, it is not our home. So an ambassador from France speaks for the, the king of France in the presence of the president of the United States and the secretary of state. The king transfers through the ambassador to someone else. This man is not an American. His home is in France. Same thing. We are ambassadors for the kingdom of God in this world. And Jesus is about not just to talk about the 12, not just to heal the sick, not just to do miracles and preach sermons. He's about to go about the sending. Okay, that's where we are today. Why did he talk as hard as he talked last week? Weed it out. Weed it out. We got tickled in, in men's ministry yesterday because we were talking a lot about just being real and just calling it like it is and what the cost is. And I said something about that's probably why a lot of people don't join here. Most pastors don't stand up like I did last week and say, if you need a perfect pastor, go somewhere else. I, I, don't, I don't need that on my plate. I, I, if you need me to be some perfect, glorious, holier-than-thou, suit-wearing, halo-carrying dude, find another house. You see what I'm saying? I mean, we, we, we're kind of upfront about this covenant thing. Hey, how do I be a member of your church? Can I just walk down the aisle and grab my little card, and when I get to heaven, slide it in like it's the Holy Day Inn, and I get to come into my room? No! We say, this is what the Bible says you got to act like. And we say, this is what the Bible says i got to act. You get it? You two just catching on to the older old joke? Okay. Yeah, they, it's okay, fellas. They're back at Holy Day, all right? And, uh, ha and so, so, <laughs> Jesus calls members of the body of Christ to be a certain way. And, and listen, some people genuinely get scared because they don't feel like they can measure up. And I get that. And here's my response. You can't. <laughs> Welcome home. We can't. If you could do it on your own, you wouldn't need Jesus. Thank you, wife. A little humility there, you know? We all are sinners in need of a Savior, but we all are called to a standard to, to, to chase, 
All right? And so we say in our covenant, this is what members are supposed to do. And we expect that of you because that's real. Here's what leaders are supposed to do. And we expect that of us. It's real and it's burdensome, but it's glorious. And so I needed to set the stage for you today because if you think this is a story about 70 or 72 people, depending on the thought process there, all right? If you think it's about those 70 people, you've already missed it and you are more than welcome to go home. You don't need what I'm about to say. Until you understand that we are the 72, none of this matters, okay? You with me? It's a story about you once you have decided about him. I'm going to say it again. It's a story about you once you have decided about him. Okay? Let's roll. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him into every town and place he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse, do not take a bag, do not take any sandals, do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace, shalom unto this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest upon them. If not, it will return to you. This is a really odd, but very cool, actually, idea. Stay there. If the peace rests upon them, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages, but do not move around from house to house. Stay with them until the job is done and then move on. When you come to a town and are welcomed, eat whatever is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there. Tell them that the kingdom of God has come near. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town. Even the dirt on which you walk, we wipe from our feet as a warning unto you. Be sure of this. This, my, this may be my favorite part. Be sure of this. The kingdom of God's been near you too. Listen to me. If you're nothing else, your rejection of my God makes him no less God. Your indecision about my God makes him no less truth. Your concern about his salvation ability makes him no less powerful. Be it known. Reject me or accept me. The kingdom of God has been near you either way. That's a little Mufasa, isn't it? <laughs> Say it again. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom. Sodom and Gomorrah. It'll be more bearable for Sodom than for you. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in the sackcloth and the ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. Please understand, Capernaum, Bethsaida, those were places Jesus did miracles, work, did healings. The healing at the pool of Bethsaida, Bethesda. Capernaum, the man comes down through the roof. It was his center for ministry. He's talking about the Bible belt. And basically what he says is, Vegas and L.A. have a better chance than you. 
and you, Capernaum. He thunders down on, on Dallas. He thunders down on Lexington, on, on, on Atlanta, on this Christianity South that we call ourselves. And he says, will you be lifted to heaven? No. No, you headed for Hades. Whoever listens to you, and he's talking to the people, listens to me, ambassador. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. Don't take it personal. But whoever rejects me also rejects him who sent me. You reject that which made you. Doesn't matter if you don't think you were made. Doesn't matter what kind of big bang it was. You, you can believe in the big bang all you want to. God said, bang, there it was. I don't care how he did it. I just know he did. Might have been a bang. It's a good show, though. The 72 returned. It is hilarious. The 72 returned with joy. Now, let's stop. Let's stop. Let's go back and talk about the sending first. If we, if we, don't, if we run out of time, we'll pick the, the joy up later because joy is awesome. All right? There's a lot in here. A lot in here. Last week I told you I was going to be more of a teacher than a preacher, and then God took a hold and we got a little preaching in the teaching. Probably going to go a little bit that way this week too. Okay. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. Here is the reference. He actually appointed 70 and 2. It's a reference to when people were sent out in the Old Testament, okay, to the 70 tribes beyond those of the Israelites, okay? It is two people who are non-Jew, two people who are non-Hebrew. There were 70 sent out to minister to all of the others, and then two more were added. So in the New Testament now, we have 72 sent out. Anybody who reads the Old Testament, has studied the Torah, would know what Jesus is doing. Luke has spent his whole first 10 chapters trying to say, it's not just about you, church. It's not just about you, Jews. We have to be reminded. We have to be reoriented. The harvest is plentiful. Now, let me ask you a question because it matters. We've quoted this over and over again, right? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You've all heard it. It means something different when you think about who said it. Who said this word right here? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Who's speaking? Jesus. And who is Jesus? God. And he's the son of God. He is God. And what is God? He is eternal. And is he yesterday, today, and forever? Yes. So he's in the past, right? Yes. He's in the present, right? Yes. He's in the future, right? Yes. So this isn't maybe. Do you get that? It's not if we send workers and people listen to me, the harvest is plentiful. He doesn't say that. He makes a claim that he already knows to be true. The harvest is in fact plentiful. There will be an abundance that will be drawn in. That is not in question here. What is in question is will you be out in the field or not? Ask the Lord of the harvest, the one who knows. Ask Him, therefore, to send workers. So here's what he's saying. Are you in? If you're in, there's going to be good days and bad days, right days and wrong days. There's going to be things that happen that blow your mind and things that happen that break your heart. And some people will keep on marching and others will quit. And I'm telling you, it's hard and people give up. Not everybody buys in all the way. If you're in all the way, ask for more people like you. Pray for more people. Why? Because there is a large harvest. There not might be. That's the thing. We think that as we magnify, then there's a bigger chance that there's a greater harvest. No! If Jesus is who Jesus says he is, there's already a major harvest. We need to pray that we get to be a part 
of saying it. Come on. Go. And then he, it's almost like he drops it in here. You know, it's like there's a cheerleader. Let's get fired up, super fired up. All right. And then he, he says, go like the lambs among the wolves. That just that doesn't, that doesn't sound good, God. I was with you right up until the part where I go into the forest and get eaten. <laughs> I don't know, but, 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 but that's exactly. God wasn't unfair in his call. God wasn't dishonest in his call. Nowhere is it written, hey, if you join the church and do everything my way, it's all going to be rosy. Your children will live beautiful lives and be ever so obedient, and it will get even better as they become teenagers. And also, your finances will never, ever, ever be in disarray because I own the cattle on a thousand hills and I have promised to give you a thousand cattle. No! He says, you the lamb, they the wolves, go anyway. Have fun. But what's the promise, church? Don't forget the promise. Go ye therefore into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of, for the glory of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I've commanded you. And lo... I am with you. I can shut the mouths of lions. I will close the mouths of wolves. They may snarl, but you are mine. And my rod and my staff, they are your comfort. I prepare a table before you in the presence of those enemies. Come on, church. You think it was written the shepherd psalm just because he didn't mean it? He's not waiting for the harvest. He's waiting for you. And he's not promising millions. He's promising himself. And I've said it over and over again. The minute you buy in that that is enough, your life will change forever. And I don't care if you're six or 60. <coughs> Ask Sarah. Ask Abraham. Ask Noah. And just in case you were wondering, you, you don't get a purse, you, you don't get shoes, and you don't get food. Okay? Don't take any of that stuff with you. Here's why. Here's why. He wanted to talk about urgency. He says, don't, don't greet anybody on the road, all right? Because when you greeted somebody, it, it took time. It wasn't just, hey, what's up? How you doing? And walk on. You had to stop and do uh, the formal greeting and have a formal conversation. This was get to work. If you believe in me, if you believe that my, the, his eye is on the sparrow, as the song says, if you believe the cattle on the thousand hills, if you believe how much more will I take care of you, if you believe that, then go. You're not going to go without a meal. And if you do, it's going to be made up for. You're going to be given shoes. Because when my peace falls on people and they join this race, I'm going to have all you ever need. That's when the church starts being the church. Remember? When the salsa guy brings the salsa and the chip guy brings the chips and the guacamole guy brings the guacamole, the party starts. If everybody tries to do it all, it all falls apart. This is why churches get power hungry, get greedy, start doing things my way. Two or three people start doing all the work and making all the decisions, and then the church dies and fades away. Why? Because we all need each other. This is what the body is about. The toes need the hands. The hands need the eyes. The eyes need the brain. The brain needs the heart. The heart needs the lungs. We all need each other. We need you to do your part. 
When you enter a house, say, peace unto this house. I love this. It basically says, I have given you my power, right? He says, I've given you my peace to go. What I want you to do is breathe that peace into the home. When they open the door, shout it, peace be with you. And if that peace lands in the home and you can see the shalom, the covering fall over them, go stay with them. They're ready for you. But if they push that peace, if they argue, if there is conflict, that peace will return to you. And Jesus said, that's why I told you if you were hungry, duh, 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 duh. that's why I told you you need to stand. Duh, 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 duh. That's why I told you. You follow my instruction and it's going to be okay. But this is an intense job. But it is a powerful job. It is a beautiful job. If they promote peace, they're there. Stay there. Eat and drink whatever. Okay. All right. Here's where this gets weird, okay? Um, For them, it was about religious things, right? It was about religious things. We're not allowed to eat. Paul and and the disciples had to deal with this when they started going to the Gentiles too. What about about we eat meat? What if we can't eat meat? What about we eat this animal? What if we can't eat this animal? This is unclean. How do we deal with this? Jesus says up front, whatever they put on your plate, eat it. Now, let let me tell you what that would be like now. God sends you to Thailand, and you are a chicken McNugget and mac and cheese kind of guy. And you begin to recognize that in Thailand, six-year-olds eat food so hot, your diaphragm spasms. You know what Jesus says? I didn't ask if it tasted good. I didn't ask if it was spicy three ways, going in, going down, and coming out. I didn't ask. All I promised was that if you did not take food, you would get food. Eat what you're given. Now listen to me. You, you, you may end up in Africa, and there may be some things that we hit with fly swatters that are in your main course. I put it that way because we need to understand that for the disciples, it was this abhorrent. What they were hearing was this. Uh, they had to stomach what was about to happen. They were going to cities and places that were gross to them that had things that they would never allow in their homes. Their children ate and drank things we would never allow them to eat or drink. And Jesus is saying, I need you to get that the message is way bigger than the moment. I need you to get that their, 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 their acceptance of Christ is way bigger than your comfort. I need you to get that when you go, it stopped being about you. I taught you this in case you forgot it earlier when I said if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. It's not about us. It's why we believe here at NBC that our fourth, our number four core value is a mission outside of ourselves, outside of our desires, outside of our needs. We want to give away more than we keep. I want to spend money building churches elsewhere, not working on this building. And that, listen, you want to know what burdens your pastor right now? That's what burdens me. I have spent way, 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 way more money on leaks and toilets and paint and walls falling apart and pipes bursting than I have spent feeding orphans. And I hate it. In the depths of my being, I detest. I don't want to do that. I want to go to Guatemala, and I want to hug girls who have no family. 
I want to paint walls where they learned jobs. I want to give food and umbrellas. I want to go into the city. All right? I, this week, I got the cover for the book, Iglesia Sana. You know what that means? Healthy church in Spanish. It's done. There is a Spanish version of the book. I got to figure out now how to get it printed. Well, the graphic design guy wrote me back. He said, I don't know if this is in order. I can't read it. I said, me neither. So the next step is to figure out how. I got I mean, so far I haven't spent a penny to get this done. Now I got to get it printed. But you ready for this? As soon as it's printed, there are between 120 and 200 pastors within an hour of Guatemala City waiting for me to come down for four days and do four different pastors' conferences. I want, I want to spend money on that. All right? Well, Craig, what will that do for us? Nothing! Nothing! Guess what? Not about us! But I bet if we get fired up enough, we could fill a plane with the people who want to go. You think? So let's just raise enough money for us all. Let's all go. All right? Let's all go. And you don't want to go to Guatemala? Fine. Let's pick a city. Let's find a burden somewhere else. I'll send you to Ghana where they just built a second building for, for, again, female orphans who are learning a trade and going back and changing their families' lives by having a full income for them and all of their parents and all of their grandparents and their children. Unbelievable stuff going on at the Pearl House. We'll, we'll find a place to go, but we've got to go. And guess what? I don't know what they eat in Ghana, but it doesn't sound good. I don't even want to eat anything called Ghana. You see what I'm saying? Jesus was setting up the journey before it started. He did it for you too. All the instructions are there. All the warnings are there. All the power and authority is there. Who's going to go? Who's going to go? I love that. Don't tell them you were here. Don't tell them I were here. Just tell them the kingdom of God has come near. You know what that means? That means God is in the Son. The Son is in the saved. The saved have the authority and the ambassadorship of the Father. And in some strange transcendent way, the kingdom of God has become a part of who we are. And when we stand next to them, the kingdom of God has stood next to them too. They couldn't cast out demons because they had any power. They casted out demons because the kingdom of God lived in them. They couldn't save the blind or heal the lame because they had any power. The kingdom of God was there. And the kingdom of God is there if the healing happens or if it doesn't. The kingdom of God is there if the money comes or if it doesn't. The kingdom of God God is there if we lose a child or if we don't, if we fail a class or if we don't, if we are sent or if we are called to stay, if we're doing his will, the kingdom of God is there. Those who love me, obey my command. And all authority on heaven and earth has been given to you. So go and enjoy the ride. Because no matter how hard it gets, no matter how hard it gets, there's joy waiting in the end. But Jesus gives a warning first. He warns the religious people. He warns the people who think it's all for the people who have money, who have their shirts on, who have wealth, who have what we have. He says, woe Chorazin, woe Bethesda, and you Capernaum, you will end up in Hades. Tyre and Sidon have a better chance than you. You know what Tyre and Sidon was? That's, that's Phoenicians. That's a reference to the Old Testament. Do you know who the daughter of the Phoenician king was? Jezebel. Jezebel. 
This is a reference to the reign of Jezebel, who had to be taken out by one of the most powerful prophets, Elijah. And they say, Tyre and Sidon, Jezebel's, Jezebel's hometown, better shot than you at getting in. Why? Listen to me. This is a reference to what Jesus calls us to all throughout the scripture. Are you listening? If you don't think you need him, you can't have him. If you don't think you need him, you can't have him. Not because he's not willing to come in, but because you don't need him. That's why he says, go out into the cities and towns. I invited, I invited all the people, but they didn't come. I invited the church folk, but they decided not to show up. They thought things were more important. I want you to go and get the homeless. Go and get the people under the bridge. Go and get the people digging in the garden can garbage cans, and you bring them to my feast because they're going to eat tonight. The rest of you, guess what's waiting for you? The weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know what that is? Hades. You know what that is? Gehenna. Do you know what that translates to? Hail. He's warning us uppity church people. He's pulling his whip out in the sanctuary and saying, Bible Belt, you better wake up. It's getting too comfortable for you. Stop going to church. You heard me. Stop going to church. What am I going to say next? Y'all don't need me. Stop going to church. Be the church. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. All right, I'm done. Here we go. I have given you... The 72 returned. So they went and they did it, just like he said. And they returned with what? Did they return complaining about how their feet hurt? Did they return saying how, how their bellies hurt? Did they return talking about how bad the food was? Did they return talking about all the times they got sent away? No. What did they return with? Joy. And they said, Jesus, I know we're supposed to know this, but we didn't know it until we saw it, but we saw it, so we must have known it because you were in it. But the demons even ran away. It was crazy. We saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He was doing his work, and we just lifted our hands up. Immediately, light. That's what light does to darkness. And Jesus is like, <laughs> I know. I know. I have given you authority to trample on snakes. Come on with the reference. Come on with the reference. And the heel will trample his head. Come on with the reference. I have given you the authority to step all over snakes and scorpions. That's which will nip your heel and bite at your ankles. Overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Didn't say be hard for you. It said harm you. Do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you. Here's where we fail. We come back and we're all excited about what God has done in our lives and how we had an unbelievable experience and how God was moving in and around us and we forget where the glory goes. Satan's biggest mistake was thinking he was the light instead of a reflection of the light. It is ours too. When big things happen, what do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Don't worry about the miracles. The biggest miracle ever was that he saved a sinner like you. Rejoice in that. Make that your claim. Plant your flag there. And then, Jesus has watched them come back. 
And the man side of him is just fired up. He is grinning from ear to ear because these are like his babies. He was there when they were born. He knows that they're getting it now. He's watching the church begin. What he and his father for centuries have known to be true, have understood the harvest is there. Joy is there. We didn't abandon the world. And he sees it happen. And he is overwhelmed. And praise rises up in him. And instead of speaking to men, he turns his eyes to the place where the eyes have to be. And he said, I praise you, Daddy, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden this stuff from the wise. You've hidden it from the learned, from the theologians, from the schools, and you have revealed it to the little children, to those who just want to run into your arms. That's who gets it. Thank you, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. You must come to me as a little child. It's like this all goes together. And then he turned to his disciples. (sighs) He looks back at him and he says, blessed are you who got to see this. Blessed are you who got to see a little bit of what daddy and I see. You know what I want for you? I want you to see it. I want you to see it. It costs. God, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be a little honest with you here. Um, these last few weeks, you're wearing me out. I find myself emotionally and spiritually exhausted um, by you. And all glory goes to you because they all know and you all know that I can't do this. But we can see it. I can, I, I can see it in the smiles of a visitor. I can feel it in the, in the, the long, executed walk, the, the foot, put one foot in front of the other of our elders, and the, the plodding along in spirit and in truth uh, uh, of Cy and Preston and Tim. I feel it in the joy that starts to fill this place every Sunday morning around 1027. <laughs> and I'm thankful, God, for that. Because I can see it. May your Holy Spirit fall on us so that John, Steve, and Becca, Ty, Kobe, Nate, Zoe, so that they can see it. And may they be blessed. And may they give you the glory in Jesus' name. And amen.